This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. In today's episode, we're talking about the ways in which your subconscious holds you back, how that inner child that you have inside of you, inside of your mind, wants and needs protection, which if you know my story, you'll understand that I know exactly how powerful shifting some of your limiting beliefs can be. But I'm really curious, though. I know how much this stuff, this limiting belief stuff and uncovering it has changed my life. But what I'd love to know is, have you ever been aware of how your inner child is holding you back, of how that traumatic event, perhaps from your childhood or in your later life, has shaped your current behaviours and thinking? Now, I'm a massive fan of hypnosis. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm a master of NLP and a master of hypnosis as well. And I have a whole load of audio tracks that are available to purchase over on my website. These are tracks that have been written by me, making sure every single word is crafted well, and it's deliberately there to help your subconscious. But also, I am a multi-award winning voiceover artist. So unlike a lot of meditation and hypnosis tracks, you can guarantee that mine are absolutely top notch. So if you want to find out about these, you can get hold of them by visiting www.annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash shop. And if you aren't able to write that down right now, then make sure that you visit the show notes to get the link so that you can go and find out about those tracks. So now I want to take you on to today's guest. This person has a really powerful story. She's one of the most qualified people that I know in so many different areas of specialism. And what I love about her is that she brings all of her knowledge and experiences together to help people overcome trauma. And we're going to be discussing a little bit about what that trauma might be. So it might look like something that's happened through PTSD or narcissistic abuse or something that's happened in your childhood. And she uses a combination of techniques, including RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, Positive Psychology, and also EMDR, which we'll be talking about a little bit during the show. And she's also the best-selling author of Divorce Became My Superpower. And again, the link to that is in the show notes. So today on Entrepreneurs Get Visible, I want to welcome you to my very good friend, Caroline Strawson. So welcome to the show, Caroline. It's amazing to have you on today. Caroline and I actually do know each other quite well. So it's always funny when you come on to do an interview with someone that you're, you're very close to. So welcome to the show, Caroline. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> so the thing we are going to be talking about today is about the inner child, how the inner child is sabotaging your results, how it's sabotaging your success. And I think both of us have had major experiences with how this has held us back. So just give us an overview of your take on what your inner child is doing to bring people back from getting the results they want. I think I have this big philosophy that there's many adults walking around there. And of course, in body, we look like we are an adult, but the inner child is running the show. Now, of course, between the ages of two and seven, that's where our subconscious beliefs are formed. We're in what we call a theta brainwave state. And we can have major trauma going on in our childhood. But equally, from my perspective, I didn't have any major trauma or anything, Anna. It was a case of the meaning I attached to events that how my parents were with me. So my mum was a real codependent, so real people pleaser. And my dad, God love him, 
he was really emotionally unavailable because of his childhood. So when I do little bits of gymnastics in the lounge, for instance, at seven years old, and I thought I'd done a perfect routine, my dad would sit there as the judge and go, hmm, 9.99 recurring. Now, as an adult, we can all look back and think, oh, that's hilarious. You know, he was just joking and everything else. But as that child in that moment, the meaning I attached to that was, I'm not good enough. I'll do it again. And of course, my dad would never give me a 10. He would never say, well done. I'm proud of you. I love you. He did in his own way to his capabilities. But as that child, I don't think, oh, bless my dad. He doesn't know how to do that because of his childhood and everything else as well. I don't think that. I think as a child, I can't be good enough. I mustn't be worthy, which then becomes my subconscious belief and a blueprint for who I become as an adult. And that stops me then achieving my true potential. Yeah, and that that not feeling good enough. Most of us have that in some respect. And what's been amazing for me is I identify very strongly with this. Any of you who are listening who've read my book, Get Visible, will know that for me, it was about proving that I was good enough constantly, that constant need to get that feedback from other people meant that if I was scared, I wouldn't get that feedback. I wouldn't even try or I'd push too hard. And both of those directions really were sabotaging my own personal success. So we've talked about something from when you were seven. And I think many people can relate to that. And what's interesting is that we opened this talking about trauma And so that's not necessarily that you've had something horrendous happen to you in your childhood. It's not necessarily that. There's a real misunderstanding of trauma, I think, because, you know, we tend to look at trauma and when you read a lot of the research, they even talk about big T trauma and little t trauma, which I'm a bit uncomfortable with because if it's traumatic to you, it's traumatic to you. It doesn't matter whether it's major or minor or anything. So, of course, we can think of big trauma as abuse and, and major life events. Equally, little t trauma could be classified as even your parents getting a divorce when you are younger. But the actual true definition of trauma is actually you feeling overwhelmed. Now, that could be anything. So anybody listening in, if you're feeling overwhelmed, there will be a reason for that. That comes from somewhere and it could be hidden trauma. And I'm a big believer in all the illnesses that we have that we hear so much about, depression, anxiety, addiction. These are symptoms of trauma and trauma will normally have come in childhood potentially as well, but it doesn't have to be major events. It's just meaning you've attached to events. Equally, it can be other things that have happened in other aspects of your life. But certainly for me, that initial subconscious belief that got wired in of not being good enough then led me to go on and have more trauma with, for instance, my marriage that was an abusive marriage. So, and that came from my feeling of not being good enough to being attracted to somebody who was psychologically abusive. So what happens then when you identify, okay, there is something that happens, there's something that plays with me, there's some way I'm holding myself back. What happens when you identify that? How can you move past it to get that result that you want? Well, I think self-awareness is really key in all of this because so many people, we just kind of go through our lives making the same mistakes, not doing the same things, procrastinating about not being out there and reaching our potential, but blaming other people for that. So I think the first step for me is actually you need to take ownership of that. If you're not reaching your potential, if you're not stepping out and being visible, it's nobody else's fault but your own. And that might sound quite harsh in a way, and it's not meant to be. It's said with love, but it's about you healing your own inner wounds, upgrading your own inner child. Because normally if we're, for instance, wanting to put ourselves out there, say in our business, and we're procrastinating the hell out of it and not 
bothering being visible, there is a reason for that. And the brain's starting point is to keep you safe and away from the biggest perceived pain. So there is a reason why you are not then achieving your potential or putting yourself out there being visible because your brain thinks staying where you are is safer. And of course, it's safer if you went back to being that child, but you're not a child now, you're an adult. And you can put yourself out there now. And it's learning to recognize when your inner child is speaking and when the adult version of yourself is. So it's a lot about inner child healing with all of this so that you can reach your potential because you're not a child anymore. Mm. Understand why you felt the way you did as that child. But that awareness then, if you're feeling an emotional response to something and you've been triggered, there's a reason for that. And the reason is your interpretation of the meaning which comes from all your past experiences. See, Caroline, I identify so strongly with that. I talk about this a lot, that I used to really hold myself back because I thought I wasn't ever going to be good enough. But you and I both use very different techniques, but kind of have the same heart to them, which we'll talk about in a few moments. But for me, it was coming to understand that I had held myself back or pushed in the wrong way because I desperately wanted something that I always believed was out of reach. So if you believe something is always out of reach, you don't actually take the the proper actions, the obvious actions to get it. And for me, that was a massive wake-up call, realizing that actually I have choice about how I behave in all of these situations. I have choice about where I put myself. I have choice about how I interact. Whereas before, particularly coming from an acting background, I always wanted other people to accept me. But if I didn't accept myself first, how can I expect anyone to accept me? And I know for you, you've got some quite powerful stories around this too. It was always looking for me that external approval because, and I call it a hole in your soul. So when you're a child, if you don't, have that healthy sense of self. So your parents don't show you that you are simply amazing just for being who you are, just for breathing. Because so often, and it's not that they're doing anything wrong per se, meaningfully to be like that intentionally, but if they don't allow you to feel good enough simply for being who you are, then you're going to have this hole in the soul. So for me, it was about conditional love, straight A student, captain of all the sports teams. It became conditional as such. So I became a really super high achiever because I needed that external approval to fill a hole in my soul. So I needed other people to say to me, well done, you're good at this. You're amazing at that. So I felt like I was worthy and I was good enough. But the problem with that is when you're putting that in the hands of other people who aren't capable of doing that, like my dad and other people I surrounded myself with, they weren't filling that hole in my soul. So I felt this unworthy, not good enough little girl going out to be a woman. And on the surface, you think, wow, you look really confident in that. But inside, I needed this external approval all the time. So my world could go into baseline, it could go back into equilibrium. And that's when your ego comes up as well to protect you, because it wants to protect that inner child. So the ego is your false sense of self. So if your inner child doesn't feel good enough, and someone triggers you with that, your ego is going to come up, going to look externally, you might have an argument with somebody, you might ignore them and go off into yourself because your ego is coming up because it wants you to feel worthy and good enough but it believes we must look externally for those to make you feel good enough and worthy as opposed to going in and doing the deep inner work which is of course what we should be doing Mm -hmm. we need to heal from within so that we can then operate outward and achieve our potential 
And I think it's really interesting because I come from an NLP, neuro-linguistic programming background, and I'm a master of hypnosis. I use timeline therapy. And I know that through changing how I think about myself and things that happened in the past and the meaning I didn't touch them, I changed everything. For me, I, I couldn't have you know got on camera before and now I do Facebook Lives because I'm not worried about that judgment factor because I think, well, actually, I am good enough. Why can't I do this? What interests me, though, Caroline, is that you have very different techniques that you use. Would you like to share with our listeners the things that you really focus on? Yeah, I mean, I've got a medical background. So for me, everything is very much neuroscience based. I have a deep fascination with how the brain works and what impact that then has on our habits, our actions, and, and how that then manifests with how we operate every single day. So I use something called rapid transformational therapy, which is kind of like a super hybrid therapy. It's not been around very long, but sort of two, three years now. And it's a combination of hypnotherapy, NLP, psychotherapy, and CBT. It's it's often known as RTT, isn't it? For those of you who might have come across that. Yeah. And it was a lady called Marissa Peer who'd been a, a psychologist for sort of 20, 30 years. And she wanted rapid change for people. None of this talking therapy all the time where you're going to see the same person every other week. And actually, and research does say this now, if there's trauma involved that can keep you in that trauma response and it can keep re-traumatizing you actually and you're you're not able to move forward however it does have its place sometime but for me RTT was then about going back to root causes of things coming from a science background for me I want to know reasons why why do you feel like that so everything for me is if I feel a certain way it's well why do you feel like that it's like if you go to the doctor and you're suffering depression I don't want tablets. I want to know why I'm suffering with depression because it's just a symptom of something, you know? So if you're feeling depressed, why are you feeling depressed? What meaning have you attached to certain events to allow you to feel depressed or anxious? Because we're not born like that. There are reasons for that. So RTT gets right to the root cause of all of that. But what I found, even with RTT, it was great to upgrade those subconscious beliefs so that someone who didn't feel good enough then recognized why they didn't feel good enough, what events in their life led them to not feel good enough. And then you get a personalized recording to wire in those new beliefs because the brain works on repetition. But again, even what I was finding was that it was okay upgrading those beliefs. But if trauma was still stuck in the body, now this is really, really cutting edge research. That's really in the last five years, we have come on leaps and bounds in the study of trauma. We know trauma is stored in the body and we have things like somatic memory. So you may walk into a room and then all of a sudden you feel something. You might feel your heart racing. You might feel your fists are clenching, tightness in your neck and your shoulders. And you might not even know why. And these can be trauma responses of stored trauma held in the body. So I knew that although I could upgrade people's beliefs and they felt amazing and they felt they were good enough to go out and be visible and do all the things that they wanted to do, if there was trauma that was still stuck in their body, they have a trigger with that trauma. It could be a sight, a sound, a smell. Seeing somebody, their body would go into a trauma response of fight, flight, or freeze because it's taking you back to that moment where you needed that trauma response potentially in that. So I do something else called EMDR, which is called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Again, it's not been around a huge amount of time, but it's very much widely recognized by um, the World Health Organization, NICE here in the UK, as one of the best treatments of trauma. And what that does, what EMDR does, is it timestamps that memory into the past. 
Because when we're reacting to something in the present, it thinks it's happening to us right now. A part of our brain called the hippocampus hasn't time stamped that memory, but it's in the past and you are safe now. So EMDR uses bilateral stimulation to actually time stamp that memory that it's in the past. So we can't take it away. We can't take away what's happened. But what we can take away is when you think of that memory, think of that trauma, you don't get that emotional response that elicits in your body with the tightness, the not breathing, all of those things, because that is signs of trapped trauma. And EMDR is what we call a somatic therapy. It's working with the mind and body because trauma is a mind and body experience. So those two together with other techniques that I use, reparenting, I do vagus toning as well, which is a, a nerve very, very prevalent with trauma, using all of those together to really help heal that inner child, clear out all of those trapped traumas, upgrading subconscious beliefs, I really find that working together. It's like dynamite together. They work so beautifully together for somebody. So they can actually move forward with their life, knowing what's happened, knowing they've experienced all of these things, but without the blocks for them, for them to be able to move forward. So give us a couple of real life studies of what this looks like for people you've worked with. Okay. Well, I'll give an example of myself even, actually, Anna. I had surgery at the start of December 2019 and um, had knee surgery. I thought I was walking in. I'm going to be walking out again. I didn't. It was more complicated. I was told I was non-weight bearing for six weeks and when I came round. That was okay. I hadn't planned it. But then two weeks later, I got a deep vein thrombosis. I got two blood clots in my right leg. And I thought, I'm mentally strong and I'm okay. But over that Christmas period, being non-weight bearing, knowing I've got two blood clots in my leg that potentially could move, travel to my lungs, and I could die. And I spent really most of the Christmas thinking I was going to die and that if I went to sleep at night, would I wake up in the morning? And I noticed it was affecting me, physically affecting me, not just the thought, it was physically affecting me. So I did some EMDR on myself because I'm a trained practitioner in EMDR and there's a very specific eight-step protocol that you follow. So I followed this protocol and I did it on myself because what I realized was my worst image was, and it was so clear, and that's what was eliciting this emotional response. And I thought, I'm going to get PTSD from this if I'm not careful. So my worst image was sitting in a hospital room with my two children looking at me and me dying because of my DVT. And my negative cognition that I attached to that was, I'm letting them down. I'm not worthy of their mother. And that for me was what I needed to work on. It wasn't the DVT that was eliciting that response in me. It was my meaning that what if I die? What if I let my children down? So I processed all of that and installed a new belief of I'm an amazing mother because ultimately I realized, and again, we use the eye movements for this, or it can be any kind of bilateral stimulation that actually even if I died, so even if I died, so this is a flash forward technique in EMDR. So even if I died, I've installed so much into my children that I'm still with them, even if physically I'm not with them, just like my mum is with me, even though she's not alive anymore. And I have done the best I can. I can look in the mirror and know that I have. But so many of us all of the time, like with many of my clients, what they are looking at, either ahead of them or in the past, are blocks. They have got blocks, fears, fears because of meaning they've attached to things like I daren't step out and do a Facebook live for instance because if I'm visible someone could say I'm not good enough and that's going to make me feel bad so I've done the RTT sessions on people for public speaking for instance mm. it's not a fear of public speaking it's a fear of being visible and being judged 
And if you are judged, someone might make you feel not good enough. And that pain is too much to bear because as that child who didn't feel good enough, that was a big pain. Don't want you to feel like that again. So I'm going to keep you where you're not in that position. Keep you safe. But actually, it's not safe because it's not getting you the results you want as an adult. It's not getting you the income. It's not getting you the recognition you crave. You're not going to get you're not going to get fixed that way. This work is so powerful using different techniques. I work with people all the time on, on really deep things. But what I love about your work, Caroline, is that it's interesting, right at the beginning of this interview, you were talking about you always wanted to be a high achiever. You are one of the most qualified women that I know. And I love having you in my circle, in my network, because there's always something new that you've done and there's new qualification, but always really great. And because you're fascinated by the science. And what I find great about your work is that we know that mindset work makes a difference. But some personal development work still is considered by those who don't know is a little bit woo-woo still, a little bit flaky. And what I love about you and what you're bringing to the table is that you are showing people, this is what the brain does. This is the chemical reaction. This is the reason why. This is how it affects your body. And not from that, hey, we've all got chakras and all the spiritual stuff. What If that's what people are into, that's fine. What you are bringing to the table is the science behind it. And I find that really exciting. It's really important for people to understand why they feel the way they do, because people are carrying around so much shame and guilt. You know, I'm rubbish because I can't do this or you know I'm weak because I can't do that and it isn't very often there are reasons why and there are neuroscience reasons why because changes have happened in the brain you know when I came out of my abusive marriage my brain had changed I had physiological changes that had happened in my brain so there were certain things I was doing that consciously I knew I shouldn't be doing or didn't want to do and I was saying oh Caroline come on get on with it kind of thing but my brain was doing something else because there'd been physiological changes. So it's about people understanding why. So I do a lot of psychoeducation when I have my clients so that they can understand why they feel the way they do and lift that shame and guilt. Because then if you lift the shame and guilt, we can actually start working on the reasons why and facilitate change. Mm, fascinating. So Caroline, for anyone who's kind of new to this stuff, but senses that maybe they are holding themselves back in some way, what would you recommend to them? What would be your three ways to maybe get started? Okay. So the first thing is I I talk a lot about awareness and self-awareness. Okay. So awareness is awareness of your environment. You know, who are you surrounding yourself with for a start? There's a great quote by saying, before you diagnose yourself with depression, look at who you're surrounding yourself with. And that is so true. It's so true. I'm really laughing now, Caroline, because I'm thinking we were recently on a retreat. We went to Marbella for the weekend with another friend, Catherine Morgan, who you should listen to Catherine Morgan's episode as well. And between the three of us, we, we are qualified to the nines in all sorts of mindset, personal development. We don't let each other get away with anything. We could just go for dinner and then all of a sudden we fix something in someone's brain. And having people around that for me, and I think it's the same for you, Caroline, having people who understand that the growth is possible and it's possible quickly It's really empowering. It is. And it's surrounding yourself with real, authentic, genuine people. Because sadly, there are people out there who aren't. And again, I hold no judgment for those people because I understand they are behaving like that 
for a reason. There will be a reason for that. Maybe they're insecure. But that awareness of your surroundings, and that goes for even in your home. If your home is tidy, if your home doesn't smell great, and I'm not saying to it all your viewers. I do have a dog. We've just been out. It does smell a little bit today. Sorry, Oski. You stink. Really recognising, you know, create your environment. Create your best environment. You know, I'm sat here now in my study at home doing this podcast. I've got a candle burning. I'm looking out over um, some hedges, you know, some greenery. So I've created my environment. So that awareness of your environment. The other thing is self-awareness. And when I say self-awareness, I don't just mean what is going on in your head. I work a lot with my clients about what is going on in your body. What are you feeling in your body? Because very often in our body, we feel it before we even think Mm. it. And I'm a big believer and 80% of disease in, in our world now is caused by stress too much cortisol. And cortisol comes from being in that constant state of fight, flight, or freeze. So we need to get to the root cause of that trauma so we can take away that cortisol. It's good in moments, but we need to go back to a baseline. So for me, the two key things to start with is awareness, create your environment, and self-awareness, start to recognize what's stopping you. And when you find yourself being stopped, don't just think about what thoughts are going through your head. Look at what you are feeling in your body because that, again, will be coming from somewhere. And then when you ascertain that there's something holding you back, go and find the right person to help you. You have to be intentional. There's three things that I say to people for you to start moving forward. One is intention. You've got to be intentional in all of this. The second, you have to have belief, belief that things can change. And the third one, and this is the hardest one for a lot of people, deserving. You deserve to live an amazing life because you do. We all do. The only people stopping us from living this amazing life are ourselves. And we need to find out why that is happening and change it. So true. There is choice in every circumstance, whether you choose to see it or not is a different thing, whether you choose to take that responsibility. And I know for me, that has been a game changer. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that everything in my life is sorted at all times because of course it isn't and relationships and family life has different dynamics but certainly in my professional life making that decision about who I want to be that I do deserve to be seen to be heard to be remembered little catchphrase there that I often use on this um, podcast but I think self-awareness noticing so for me we often talk about like intuition or I just know it doesn't feel right. Well, very often, you know, where is that that it doesn't feel right? Is it your chest? Is it your tummy? Is there something in your head? Are your shoulders aching? And it's getting really specific about what am I experiencing? For me, a lot of this stuff I came to understand, I was experiencing through actually embracing mindfulness the very first time I was encountering that, stopping to think, okay, if I slow down, I'm having this reaction to something, but what actually is going on? And it's not just accepting it, which is what mindfulness is about. It's about realizing that there are ways to shift it, change it so that it's never there again. Correct. And it's about with the mindfulness. So from the EMDR perspective, so I do a lot of resourcing with this and we use mindfulness techniques because when we are in a fight, flight or freeze or reacting to something, we're moving from the front part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, the language center into our emotional part of the brain, our limbic system. And when we move into that, 
rationality goes out the window. We are emotional. We are not in the present moment. We're in the past or we're worried about the future. So mindfulness is very much about bringing people back into the present moment. And when we do that from a trauma perspective and bring people back to the present moment, when you're in the present moment, you are safe, you are okay. And that's what it's all about, moving people from that emotional part of the brain back to the prefrontal cortex to recognize, okay, actually I am in the present, I am safe, not in that emotional limbic system part of your brain. Oh my goodness, I need to react, fight, flight or freeze because I'm back in that traumatic event and I need to stay safe because there's danger around me. So we're switching parts of our brain coming from our limbic system back into our prefrontal cortex. And that's what mindfulness does. And certainly, you know, I give my clients a lot of the resourcing tools with that so that they can learn to self-regulate. If we're not learned to regulate as a child or soothe ourselves as a child, how are we expected to know how to do that as an adult? So if we have something happen to us, we go back to our reactions as a child. We need to learn to self-regulate with that. Yeah, it's such powerful work. And I really look forward to seeing what you do and you develop as you you use all of your many, many qualifications to bring all of that together. I love it. I love that you're making that science understood by people people. So if people want to know a bit more about your work, Caroline, what's the best way to come find you? Okay, so I'm very prevalent on Facebook. So they Mm -hmm. can come and find me on Facebook, also Instagram, or they can go to my website, carolinestrawson.com and just pop me a message. You know, I'm more than happy to either help them myself or if I can't point them in the right direction of where to go as well. And of course, I've got my book, Divorce Became My Superpower. So that's pretty much my story really of what led me to get to where I am now. So we will make sure that in the show notes attached to this, wherever you are listening, you can find all of Caroline's contact details and get a copy of her book, Divorce Became My Superpower. So thank you so much for coming on today, Caroline. I think it's been fascinating getting people to think about my inner child and why I am self-sabotaging my results. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.